Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phanthropological, the podcast that explores the breadth of human fandom. My name is Nick G, and today on the show, we're going to attempt to answer the question, what is a spoiler anyhow? And here with me to do that are my two best friends, Nick T. Hello. And Nick Z. Ahoy, hoy. Gentlemen, what constitutes a spoiler? Well, G, I think that with any spoiler, you have to ask the question, did somebody give you a spoiler alert? In line with that answer, I'm going to say, hey, everybody, if you're listening to this episode, spoiler alert, we're probably going to spoil literally anything. Who knows? I hadn't thought about it until right now, but we're definitely going to probably spoil a bunch of stuff. (laughs) Yeah, because here's a great example. A spoiler to me is when something has come out recently and you talk about it before anybody's had the chance to talk about it. At this point, I should hope that it doesn't come to a spoiler to anyone, but it inevitably will because people don't watch all the same stuff. Something we've talked about on many different episodes but like you know snape killed dumbledore classic example what darth vader is is luke skywalker's father is that a spoiler anymore i don't think so i would say no but everything's new to somebody and i mean we all sort of get the idea of what a spoiler is you know you find out basically in text or through words what you should have found out through the experience of watching or playing whatever the media that you were going to experience it in But then the questions come in is like, how long should you do that? What is the onus on the person talking about the thing in detail versus like when the person should watch a thing relative to when it's come out, which makes it an extraordinarily sticky wicket. Yeah. One thing that could happen, which seems way too reasonable, so it definitely will never happen, is that Mm. people could talk about how they want to communicate with other people. If I just saw a movie like Knives Out, I haven't, which is unfortunate. But if I had, I mean, I've I've read things about it, but... um, If I just seen a movie like that, which depends on different twists, and I wanted to talk about it with somebody, I could ask, have you seen this? And do you care about spoilers? Yeah, it depends an awful lot on the person you're talking to. You know, you sort of have to set up. For example, we do Who in Review with Evan and Carolyn. They would refuse to even watch the next episode trailer. What? Which is about 10 (laughs) seconds of footage usually. But they, they would consider that spoiler territory. And I think even the title of the episode that's coming next. So, you know, it's serious and it's all, it's all in the name of like preserving the, the experience of the media of going in quote fresh. But the thing with that is, I mean, I guess you get that thrill ride experience if you go into something fresh, but especially with Doctor Who. And I mean, it's not like Doctor Who is some deep, deep show that has all sorts of things going on all the time. If you've got some idea of what the plot is like, then you can kind of watch it with an eye for other things, for themes, or you know what happens with this character, or with that part of an arc. Like, spoilers generally mean plot details. Yeah. And oftentimes, that's like not even what the movie or show or whatever is really about. Yeah. Like, that might not even spoil the experience at all, but it's more people's perception that it does. Yeah. That that watching anything with less than, like, a pristine, clean mind (laughs) of information ruins it somehow, which is, like, puts pressure on people to sort of rush to not be spoiled. Yeah. Either to drop out of social media until they see the thing or to go see the thing as soon as possible at the midnight screenings. That definitely has benefits from like a I made the movie perspective. Sure does. <laughs> you can get everybody to rush that. It's like, oh, well, hey, look how well this movie did. Let's go light another one. This is borrowing from Jim Sterling's Jimquisition on the subject, but he basically talks about going to see something opening day as a vaccination to spoilers. Just so you're like, I've seen it now. No, I can't be. I can't be spoiled. <laughs> At the same time, I mean, this is only my personal experience, but I went to see Knives Out and Rise of 
Skywalker like both of them two months after the movies came out and had not seen a single spoilery detail about either one. And I didn't avoid any internet or <laughs> social media or anything except for like threads or reviews that specifically talked about the movies. I think it kind of depends what you're trying to get out of media because I've been trying to remember as we've been talking about this, I definitely did this very recently for a movie that I went to see where I read some of the Wikipedia article beforehand or I did something to that effect for a, a TV episode. And I've, I've had friends that do that as well, where they'll read an entire thing about a movie or a TV show either to catch up or to just get a gist of it before they go to see it. But you could be watching something not because the plot is important or maybe because the plot is important because you want to see how something happens and how you feel about it. For the things where I have read ahead to kind of get the gist of what is going on. Like for me, I don't care about spoilers because oftentimes I'm watching something because I want to feel a particular way or I'm thinking, well, I already have an idea that this is going to happen now that I know it's going to happen. How? In some ways, it's like watching like a mystery box style of movie or TV show and then appreciating it the second time, except you've already seen it the first time. Like going back and watching Interstellar now would probably be a different (laughs) experience because I know the twist mm-hmm. and probably would be true of many other movies in that style, but I, I'd still enjoy it for different reasons. It's actually kind of an interesting experience when you go into say a movie and you know, certain specific things, but don't know anything else. So you're wondering how, what you know connects to the rest of the, the movie <laughs> or, you know, like this, this actors in it. Mm-hmm. You're like, where, where is he? Oh, I remember now. Yeah. Memento. I hadn't seen Memento before. I'd heard a lot about it and probably seen it parodied by The Simpsons and other shows. And then later when I finally went to see it, I'd already knew the 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 big twist mm-hmm. that the movie is interspersed backwards and forwards. Mm. But the interesting part of that movie isn't that you know that, it's how that plays out. At what point does everything flip over? When do things go to being chronological? How do they cut the events to make different perceptions of the different characters? Yeah, and it's 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 often based around the idea of the twist. Lots of things have a twist that once shows up changes everything forever. And that's like that's like the spoiler nugget. That's like the juiciest thing that uh that really changes things. But I feel like if your movie solely hangs on a twist happens and there's nothing else there, then like maybe not worth seeing in the first place. Mm-hmm. If I could uh spoil a youtube video for everyone right now how dare you is that even possible (laughs) the youtuber super eyepatch wolf has this video um i believe the title is do spoilers matter or do spoilers ruin stories one of those two anyway kind of the, the the thrust of the video is trying to figure out do spoilers matter do they ruin stories and one of the ways that he does this is he takes a movie that's, you know, really well regarded for its twist that he has never seen before. The movie happens to be The Usual Suspects, and he reads a plot synopsis of it and then watches it for the first time. Interesting. And having done that, in the video, you know, he explains what he thought of the movie, and he at least claims to have still enjoyed it for the action scenes, for the, the character development and that kind of thing how you get to know each of the usual suspects and being along for the ride in a different way. But in that same video, he also points out that, you know, critics, audience members, that kind of thing, people who like write up a review of the film probably aren't going to just see it once. So if your movie just hangs on this one twist and that's it, it really shouldn't be reviewed that well because it doesn't have anything else going for it. It doesn't stand up to to repeat viewings. Yeah, I mean, your movie should ideally be more than like the events that happen in it or the words in the script or or the words in the in the Wikipedia article, I should say. 
And I feel like some of the Marvel movies come dangerously close to being that. Like, if I was spoiled in a Marvel movie, I would be a lot more annoyed than than another kind of movie, I think. Oh, because you feel like you got ripped off for all that you were going to see. I feel like Marvel movies are more defined by what they contribute to the larger plot of the, the universe than most other movies. Talking about that in particular, and possibly a topic for another day, I've been reading through the 5th edition Dungeon Master's Guide, and it talks about a thing called false action. In the context of dungeon mastering, it's the idea that like you don't want to introduce action for the sake of action. It might create tension initially, but then as players continue playing through the game of Dungeons & Dragons, they realize that like the tension doesn't really matter. It doesn't build up to something. And like in the Marvel movies, like the tension only matters insofar as where does this movie get us to the next one? Yeah. I mean, that's not entirely true. Like there were definitely moments in Endgame where I was like very invested. But after the fact, it's like I've forgotten literally everything that happened in that movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the test for me has been watching any of them multiple times. They I feel like most of them do not hold up. Because you know what happens. The other example that I was thinking of where I remember reading or hearing too much about the movie ahead of time, a movie that supposedly hinged so much on the twist was The Prestige. Uh Oh, yeah. Where if you know, for example, that there are multiple magicians, then you're like, well, that's the whole movie. I've figured it out. But that's not what makes the movie good. I mean, it has a 75% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, not the best indicator, but it's like, that's doing pretty good. Yeah. It can't entirely be because, oh, wow, Christopher Nolan and the writers made this really smart movie where there was this fancy twist. I love that movie. I've I've watched it multiple times and I enjoy pretty much everything about it. I'd say the twist adds to the story being told, but it's not it's not the story. Yeah, well, and as he was saying, maybe spoilers don't impact the stories that are being told. Good stories are still interesting regardless of any particular spoiler. If I know the detail of something that's coming up in the plot. Great. How do we get there? If our story starts with a little kid in like the southern US and he ends up doing adventures in space, how? How does that even happen? I don't care that I know that. How does that happen? Maybe it's interesting. Maybe it's contrived. <laughs> That's the interesting part. People are not often read, I don't know, Little Red Riding Hood in bullet point form, <laughs> for example. The story is not a complex or interesting one. Like the facts of the story are not interesting by themselves, but it's the way it's told, etc., etc. But if you want to talk about a more interesting part of spoiler culture, not talking about, you know, does does it impact the stories? That's like one separate discussion. But another, I think, more interesting discussion is you can't argue that telling somebody anything about a story before they've seen it impacts their experience of it. If I say uh, to somebody who hasn't met Z, the Z guy, huge jerk. That obviously impacts other people's perceptions of Z, even if they're wrong. Mm-hmm. It uh, changes changes the context. Yeah. And so is it okay to tell people anything about a movie before they've seen it? Because it will impact how they perceive the story. Evan and Carolyn avoid literally anything about the next episode of Doctor Who before you do a Who interview the podcast. And like, is it okay to talk about that? Is it okay to like bring up the next episode, even if it is only 10 seconds? Like. Would I intentionally want to ruin that for them? No, of course not. Like, we all record interview like the day of, so that's not, there's not really a time issue thing there. Everyone's kind of seen it as pretty much as soon as they can see it. But it's like, you have this, you know, do you talk about this to people who haven't seen it yet versus like, how long is that meant to go on? And it's tough because not only the people going to, 
to opening day to get that vaccination. Also, people binging new shows <laughs> to do that as well. It's just kind of the way that, you know, if you are somebody who is, I guess, I guess sensitive to spoilers, you don't have the immunity against them or whatever to, uh, to run <laughs> with that metaphor. It's what you got to do, right? You got you to gotta binge on that Netflix or Disney Plus or Hulu. Especially these days. H- HBO, whatever. <laughs> you got to do it. If you take that mindset and apply it to literally everything where the only way to inoculate yourself is to just watch it faster or earlier than anyone else. <laughs> one, that's fascinating because you're spending so much of your life trying to avoid not real problems. <laughs> but two, I was thinking about that in a different media, which is we often talk about spoilers in the context of movies and television and books. But I think something that at least the three of us don't talk about as often is spoilers in terms of video games. Mm-hmm. And something in a slightly different context even than spoilers is the idea that you can only experience something like you can only get a first impression of something once. Yes. And so with a movie or a book, the experience will always be the same. That can't be changed. Like the best you can hope for is put on the director's commentary and you have a new experience for the first time. I mean, like, yeah. like super extreme example. <laughs> if you're watch if you're watching a war movie and then you know, you watch it, whatever, and then you go to war, and you come back and you watch it again. <laughs> you're going to have some different thoughts, I think. Okay, sure. But I, I mean, like, generally, the way that the work is experienced, you can add additional, you can bring additional context to right. the thing that you're watching or the thing right. that you're consuming. But the thing cannot contribute any more than it already has. Yeah. Um, and like in video games, it's slightly different because you can technically experience the game in new ways multiple times. You can play through the game however you did the first time, making whatever mistakes you've made. Mm-hmm. And then an, a different playthrough, you can play it differently. If we're talking about one of our favorite games, Chrono Trigger, you can try playing the game with a different party. You can impose different constraints. But fundamentally, you can only experience the core of the game once. And so I'm wondering with things like Final Fantasy VII, the remake, mm. like, mm-hmm. is it a spoiler to bring up stuff from the old game? which may not be included in the new game. Or maybe pushed further back by all the new stuff they added. I mean, you could put in a tweet or a post or whatever, spoilers for the original FF7, Sephiroth kills Eris. Like, because I think right now we don't actually know if it plays out that way in the remake. There are clearly a lot of different, as I've seen, there are clearly quite a few differences between between the remake and the original game. So if you put spoilers for the original one, I think that lets people know what's up enough to decide if they want to look at your post or not. I guess, you you know, if someone was a person, you'd ask them. But yeah, in terms of remakes, that's tricky because sometimes a remake is sort of defined about what it changes about the original thing. <laughs> but otherwise, uh, another, and another aspect is just supremely faithful. So it's hard to say. Thinking about my own experience with remakes, there's never really been... Any substantial differences? I guess there's the Swift Sail and Wind Waker. This game may not be the best example for for spoilers, but I've seen lots of videos of people playing Breath of the Wild and like yeeting guardians over the mountains <laughs> with like Cryonis and oh things like that. So good. <laughs> and I've never done that, nor did I know you could do that. But like, mine doesn't go to spoiler when I see something like that. No. Yeah. I guess to be fair, spoilers tend to be more about the plot of something. People are more concerned about like, how does the story of this play out? I know there are some people that probably treat literally any information about a movie as a spoiler. Like, uh, 
Spider-Man Far From Home. Who was the actor that was introduced as Mysterio? Jake John Hall. Yeah. I feel like when that happened, people were like, oh man, he's going to be, I don't know, somebody, Mysterio or something. He's got to be because of yeah. X reason. And I guess in that context, literally any information about something, whether it's come out or not, is like a spoiler, but that feels like a world that I don't necessarily want to live in. And also like a world that must be hard for people to live in. I only have a very tangential peek into that sort of world that's with Doctor Who and I see, th- see words like casting spoilers. <sighs> like literally this person is now going to be on the show. I don't know. I, the more we talk about it, the more I think like like how worth it is it to have this pristine state of being before you watch a thing. Like, if something's going to surprise you and you don't know it, then the surprise is more effective, obviously. Yeah. But, like, it's not going to be that bad. <laughs> yeah. And I, th- I think there's a big difference between, like, people who intentionally are spoiling things because they're jerks and people who spoil things by accident. But oftentimes we all either individually or collectively work on projects. And I feel like I've thrown this around a lot. Uh, and it's not from me, but it's from somebody way smarter than I am. <laughs> Like the idea is that imperfect or perfect is the enemy of done. Yeah. And I think by the same regard, like we can't go through life being completely unblemished, untarnished by anything. Television gives you ideas of products that are popular or important or novel as do literally any piece of media and still some belief or idea. You can't avoid all of that. That doesn't mean you should just give up, but it does mean like, if you accidentally see the casting details for <laughs> the next episode of Doctor Who, I'm sorry, but maybe, maybe don't worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think it really does come back to that surprise. And like, for me, that's kind of an interesting twist on the whole, there are only two stories or whatever kind of idea where like, maybe everybody is kind of on some level tuned into that theory of stories. And so the value in a story now is the surprise. Yeah. What's the twist? Yeah. Or what's Stephen Fry going to be in this episode of Doctor Who? <laughs> what's Stephen Fry's in this episode? Why did you spoil that? Uh, I'd refer um, you to the spoiler alert that we had at minute 2 and 30 seconds into this episode, G. Uh, Pushes up glasses. If you want to be surprised, just watch any cartoon that's been made in the past five years. And it'll, there'll be a frillion people doing voices. You're like, what? It's that person? <laughs> that's my favorite twist. Have you ever had a moment where there's something that's like kind of popular that's come out recently and you kind of hear about it or hear the twist or hear like the main plot point or whatever. And then you feel slight relief because like, oh, I don't have to watch that now. I feel like there's only so much stuff I can watch. So when I find out about something, I'm like, yeah, that sounds okay. I'm like, great. Now I don't have to worry about the hype. (laughs) And I feel kind of relieved. That's going to wrap it up for this one, folks. Uh, If you have any opinions about what we just talked about, about spoilers, if there's stuff you want to spoil for us, send (laughs) it to nickatthenextcast.com and we won't open it. (laughs) But we'll probably see the subject line, so put your message in there. If you'd like to interact with the show, you can do so at Phantopological on Facebook or at Phantopologic on Twitter. If you're wondering what the three of us are up to otherwise, you can find us pretty much anywhere on the internet at the Nixcast. If you're interested in our personal projects, mine is music. You can find me at fragileair.bandcamp.com, where I've entered a very fertile streak of, uh, of releases. So stay tuned to that. Follow if you like for more hot synth EPs coming your way. 
If you're interested in what I'm up to, there are two things that you can look into. One of them is the Zeal Archives, which is a podcast that explores the A to Z of the world of Chrono Trigger. That's right, every week we cover a different topic in the world of Chrono Trigger. You can check that out on Opposite Weeks to Phanthropological and find that at zealarchives.com. The other thing that you can check out is The Race Against Time, which is our annual charity live streaming event. This year takes place on August 8th and 9th. We'll be playing through Chrono Trigger, beating all of its ending, and raising money for charity. And up until the main event, we'll be raising money for a different charity, both of which you can find at twitch.tv slash the race against time. What are we going to play up to the main event? I don't know. Stay tuned to uh, the next cast, Twitter or Facebook, or one of our other Twitter and Facebook pages, and we'll let you know what game is coming up. And as for me, you can head on over to any Amazon of your choosing.com.co.uk.au, whatever, and uh, go to that handy search bar. Type in Beowulf, a mostly modern verse translation, or if you're feeling adventurous, NSC Zakarwitz, and find my translation of Beowulf. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, until next time, we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Breaking news! We have a special announcement from the Epic Film Guys. Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference.